Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives we're consumed by all the what if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun if you're like us then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass or play call each week on alternate routes we'll take a flashpoint in sports break down what actually happened then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused follow alternate routes on the wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts you can listen early and ad free right now by joining wondery plus we got a special guest. We got four-time Gold Glove winner, three-time All-Star, two-time Silver Slugger. And look, the reason why I bleached my hair back in the 2000s, <laughs> Mariners, legendary, <laughs> Mariners legendary second baseman, and now host of the Brett Boone podcast right here on Odyssey. It's an Odyssey original. What's up, Brett? How you doing, guys? Doing good. Uh, I, I love it. I love it. You had the hair, huh? You had the hair. Oh, I, I had the hair. I had the... I had the bleached hair. Didn't have quite the physique, but I, you know, I tried. I was young. That was like my college look. That that was my thing. My kids, my kids still tease me about it, and I, they said, "Dad, you get it. Why don't you go bleach your hair?" I said, "Dad's get a little old for that." I said, "That was that was just a phase I went through. It was kind of a shtick." And I used to tell people when I'd bleach my hair, I'd say, "The city expects it, so just don't worry about it. Get out of my way." Every three weeks, I, I had my routine, but uh, that was a lot of fun. A lot of a lot of great times in Seattle. Did you get your hair done by somebody here, or is this? Or did you? Do I did. Yourself? No, I did. Uh, I had a a young lady would come to the ballpark. Actually, at the time, it was Safeco Field, uh, and I had a barber chair. I think nowadays in the big leagues, it's pretty commonplace to have a barber chair. Guys get their hair cut. They have whoever come to the ballpark. But I think we were one of the original. Uh, it was a hair bleaching station and, and there was a couple guys on the Mariners that would get it done too. But every three weeks she would come in, uh, we had a little, little, uh, office space off the, off the clubhouse and I'd get it done. So that was, that was fun. I, that brings back pretty, pretty cool memories. You know, you brought us a lot of great memories, uh, especially during 2001 through the 2005 season, but we got to be honest, we had such a blast watching you in the celebrity softball game, didn't we, Hannah? Oh, yeah. We had a great time. Uh, we didn't really know what to expect. Man, you guys put on a show. You still got it, don't you? 
Well, I could I could fake anything for a second. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I I really they they had called me a couple months prior and they asked if I'd do it and I thought you know uh, it's Seattle. It's probably fitting that I go back there and play in that game and I said okay why not and I I remember taking the field right after that the uh, the futures game because we just preceded that uh, and. I remember getting there and go, you know, two months ago, this sounded like a really good idea. And now I don't know what, what to expect. And I remember Mike Cameron came over to me, says, Booney, what are we going to do? Cause I saw, you know, the lineups were made out and I was leading off. I said, well, I, I kind of have to hit a home run, don't I? And there was still a pretty good crowd. We didn't know what the crowd was going to be like, but there was probably at least 20,000 people in the stands. And I'm thinking, I got to do something. So, so Cammy asked me, and I said, I'm going to hit a home run. I'm going to try to hit it down a left field line. We'll see how big the ballpark's playing. See how hard the balls are. The bats are live. And I hit it, and I came back, and he's just laughing. And I said, yeah, you, you go wherever you want. I said, the ball's going to jump for you. And Cammy ended up hitting a home run his first at bat. But it was, it was fun. I didn't know what to expect. I kind of knew what to expect from the athletes that were on hand. Uh but the YouTubers and the, and the singer songwriters, I, uh, Jojo Siwa, I didn't know what to expect. And to my, I was pleasantly surprised how good they were. I mean, they, you're right. They put on a show and I went from before the game thinking, what did I get myself into to when the game ended? I think we ended up winning 21, 19, uh, I really actually enjoyed myself. <laughs> I'll admit it right here. It was actually a good time and uh, a lot of fun. Yeah, you got a WWE championship belt. Oh, it's pretty cool, isn't it? I'm not kidding. We were there watching the Futures game, and it's a little tough if you're don't if you not like a real baseball savant nerd and know everything going around. But for the casual fan, the Futures game was, you know, it was all right. And then it was kind of like one of these things where once you guys hit, I can't tell you how much that energy in that building just went up especially when you hit the home run Cameron hits the home run but like it just really took us back especially when you hit that first home run you hit it was just the big moonshot and that energy in that building went up they're playing here comes the boon ready yeah. or not you know we were ready to to walk it felt like 2001 we were ready to walk over to Tiki Bob's after Tiki Bob's I remember that yeah it was and you know what I you know what I found because I was pretty busy during that all-star week and and I had a lot of uh engagements that I was going to a lot of meet and greets and just walking around that city for for all-star week interacting with the fans and fans come up to you you know especially when I'm in Seattle usually fans just want to come up and shake your hand and say hi hey thanks for the memories you know we and they always go go back to the early 2000s but a lot of the fans after that game were coming up and saying, Brett, you know, we were at the Futures game. We were ready to watch the softball game. We had no idea what to expect. It was our first celebrity softball game we've been to. And it was it was great, like you explained. They said they really had, had fun and were really entertained. So I, I think it was a hit all around. I think Seattle did a really good job uh, wire to wire. Because you look at it nowadays, and, and it's such a big production from the Futures game to, to Griffey's game, which is before the the, uh, the Futures game, to the Celebrity Softball game, to the Home Run Derby, to the actual game itself. There's so much that goes into it. I think using uh, Seahawks, Seahawks Field for, for stuff off campus mm -hmm. uh, was a great venue. And I think the city of Seattle, they, they kind of turned it out and did a really nice job. Fried Bread and Mustard, a Mariners podcast. We have the one and only... 
Mr. Tom Hutler, do you have any of your favorite stories from the kingdom? There was a time we had an earthquake, and so we, they were going to evacuate the building. So I was like getting up to go and leave, and they go, no, you can't go. you got to read these safety <laughs> things. It's like, do we need to tell them that there's smoking's only on the exterior <laughs> ramps? Yeah. And Dave came shooting past. He signed off. I'm going, wait, I'm the only one here. Listen and subscribe to Rye Bread and Mustard, a Meredith podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. I'm watching the Mariner game the other night, Brett, and uh, Dan Wilson and Mike Flowers are on the call, and they start talking about Lou Pinella, and Dan mentions that he's played for Lou Pinella for nine years, and Mike says, well, I played for him for five, but I've probably been in his office a lot more than you ever have. Can you maybe share with our audience any times maybe you got called into Lou Pinella's office? Ooh, more times than I want to. <laughs> uh, really share. I played for Lou for for parts of uh, no for shoot. What did I play? Ninety three was Lou's first year over. I was a rookie, and that's what I remember the most. Lou and myself, we did not see eye to eye when I was a kid, and we had many a go around. I got sent down. I think I got sent up, uh, sent down, brought back up three separate times in nineteen ninety three before I, I I eventually stuck, and uh, then he traded me to the Cincinnati Reds, but. In the beginning, like I said, we did not see eye to eye. We were constantly kind of at each other's throat. And and I mean, to the point where I get called in his office and we never fought, physically fought, but we came close wow. a few times where, where Lou is just, he was that, he's Lou. Yeah. And he's got a young kid, a brash young kid and myself who, who I'm just, I'm just swinging hard and, and trying to make a name for myself, trying to become a big leaguer. And he was giving me that tough love. And uh, once we got through that and, and the second half of 1993, I, I played well. <laughs> he ended up trading me. Uh, and the press thought it was because Lou and, and me were at odds. And we weren't. By the end of 93, we were kind of buddies. I mean, he was calling me in on the weekends. We'd bet on football against each other. And so we had a nice relationship. When I got traded to the Reds, I didn't take it as a as – a, as a negative thing. I, I, I just thought that's business. You know, we got Danny Wilson coming back to, to Seattle that to replace a Dave Valley who had been there a while. And we had a plethora of, of young talented infielders in the, in the Mariners organization and the Reds needed, needed a young second baseman. And it was business as usual. I went to Cincinnati, enjoyed my time there. Uh, fast forward. I came back in 2001. And I think Lou was a, a pivotal part in getting me back. And the relationship was completely different the second time around. You know, I was a, a nine-year veteran, and and Lou had had nine more years of experience, and he to this day he he's one of my favorite, not my not only my favorite manager, but he's one of my favorite people in life. And I got to spend some time with him at the All Star Game, and and uh, you know that that old oh one crew got back together for just just 20 minutes before we got announced on the field and and it, i i was doing my job i was sitting on the couch with with skip and i was winding him up and then letting him go and he was entertaining the crowd and 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 all the players that were there and it felt like 2000 like you mentioned earlier felt like 2001 again so i can't say enough good things about lou Pinella. yes i had some tough times with him he taught me a lot uh he gave me some tough love. He he was a part of my maturation process. I grew up under Lou a little bit. And uh, he's one of those guys, he's not for everybody. He needs to respect you as a man. 
And then secondly, as a ball player, if he respects you in both in, in both categories, that man will go through a wall for you. If he doesn't, you're probably not going to be able to play for him. And that's just the way Lou Pinnell is. There's only one Lou. They cut they, they broke the mold when 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 they made Lou Pinella. And uh, but to this day, one of my favorite men on this planet and uh, a big part of, of my career. I don't know what it is, Dr. Benella. My life just isn't going the way I'd planned it. Every time I turn a corner, there's some sort yeah. of... Yeah, whine, whine, whine. I've had it with your excuses. Yeah. You're acting like a loser. But you I... want therapy? Yeah. I'll give you therapy. Get off your duff, get out of here and make something happen. Do I make myself clear? Aren't you glad he decided to manage the Mariners instead? Next. Benella has erupted. He's gone out to home plate. Covering home Call plate for season her. tickets. You talk about Lou. He's such a treasure uh, for the fans and us watching him. Um, you're right. There is only one Lou Pinella. But since you mentioned that, it kind of popped into my head. He was flamboyant in his ejections. Just recently, your brother, Yankee manager and Aaron Boone, just had a flamboyant <laughs> ejection against Laz Diaz. That's what he does. How would you rate the two against each other? Well, Aaron, uh, you know, I just did a show earlier today about this and that question. Oh, really? was posed to me because I, I talked to Aaron right after uh, that day. We talk once every week, sometimes once every uh, every couple weeks. And it just so happened that night he gave me a call right after the game. And and I had caught it briefly. I, I, I wasn't watching it live. You know, I'll get a text from a buddy. Hey, uh, Uncle Aaron got thrown out of the game again. I said, what's new? He always does. <laughs> but he called me and, and we went through it. And I had seen a clip of it. And I said, hey, you had a good time tonight, didn't you? And he's like, I could tell, you know, they had lost the game and he was just kind of, yeah, you know, it was a rough one. And when I watch like the stuff like that, to me, it puts a smile on my face because because it reminds me of our childhood. That's truly what Aaron's like. He was like that when he was six years old. You know, I'd, I'd let him tag along with my buddies. You know, my little brother, they, they really liked Aaron. He was he was entertaining. He was fun to have around. He had a little squeaky voice. Um, and I'd take him with me. We'd play touch football. We'd play wiffle ball. And Aaron was always allowed to tag along. I wanted, you know, I wanted him to be a part of it. Now, when the guys were too big and, and it was kind of out of his space, as far as he, he wasn't big enough or wasn't old enough, well, we'd sit him on the sidelines, but for the most part, we'd let him hang out with us. And he would argue like that on, on playing touch football. If he thought it was a first down and it wasn't a first down, that's Aaron yelling at me. And I just kind of have him, you know, at bay with my hand because he's a little kid. But he'd be arguing with me like that. He's always been like that. He's always had that passion. Uh, he he is he's loyal to a fault. Mm-hmm. Uh, he backs yeah. his players. He's got his players back. They know that. And he's deeply <laughs> he's got convictions. I mean, he's a he's a he's a very faith-based man. He's a God-fearing man. He always wants to do the right thing. He's like my dad in a lot of ways. You know, he's, he's, these are guys that run traffic lights and and go down to the courthouse and turn themselves in that they ran a yellow light. Whereas the rest of us just move on and say, ah, that it was yellow. It wasn't red. Uh, That's just the kind of people Aaron and my dad are. They're very similar. And I know he goes out there with, because he's so passionate about what he does he doesn't want to hurt anybody's feelings. He doesn't want to make anybody look bad. I know he likes uh, Laz, I believe, was was the umpire. He's a good guy, and I know Aaron likes him. 
And he's like, yeah, and he's such a good man, Brett. I, I didn't mean to. And I know he doesn't mean to. He goes out there with one thing in mind. I've got to tell you what I'm seeing from the sidelines from a professional standpoint. And then he gets carried away. And next thing you know, he's imitating uh, Laz. <laughs> and I go, it's great. great for me. It's great for me, Arnie. <laughs> I call him Arnie. I said, yeah. it's great for me. I just sit back. I remember that. That reminds me of our childhood. And it brings back a lot of fond memories of you arguing with me about the wiffle ball, how far I hit it. And you say it didn't go that far. So uh, it's cool. It's real. It's just how Aaron is. And, uh, yeah, I get a kick out of it time to time. After a while, you know, sometimes I'll say, would well, you clean it up? Quit getting thrown at <laughs> it. You know, I'll, I'll give him a little hard time. But, but uh, it's tough. You know, being the skipper in, in New York, uh, it's not – there's no other place like it. You know, we're we're constantly day in and day out. You're on that – you're on that – you're on that burner. And, and you're, mm -hmm. you know, you're, you're like a pinata. And and anything short of winning the World Series, it's – you know, they want you – they want your head on a – they want your head on a plate. So, uh, you know, you, you know what you're signing up for when you, when you sign up to be the skipper in the New York Yankees. He knows what it's about. But I think in the end, if you can win a championship in New York, uh, that'll make all the hardship and, and stuff you go through and the, criti the, the criticizing that you get on a daily basis, it'll make it all worth it in the long run.